So I've been working on my intro and it's still, I feel like I have the, the worst introduction to the X-Factor <laughs> Open podcast. I'm like, man, uh, every time I started, I'm like, well, welcome to the X-Factor well. Open. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Colton, let's get this podcast started, man. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about you as a header is I, I love that you have, I mean, you obviously have some great horses and maybe one of my favorite head horses of all time, but you know, you're, you're one of those guys that wants to use your horse first. So. Yeah, that's, uh, it never used to be like that. It was, it was a different story before where I didn't even realize how important a horse was, you know what I mean? And then we had, uh, had some success and then kind of took it for granted and just worried about the roping part, not the, not the horseman part. And I mean, it come down fast, like an avalanche. All of a sudden, there was no success. And you step back and you kind of look at it. You try to pick your roping apart. Nothing's drastically changed about your roping. And then you start realizing, man, my horse isn't working. And then you take another step back and you just see what you put into it. And I mean, I wasn't putting nothing into my horsemanship, my the time, the patience, and what he needed. And I wasn't getting nothing back. So that was a big eye-opener. And... Man, it was such an eye-opener. That's mainly what I focus on now. Right. So you grew up in... What, what, let's kind of give everyone a background because uh, you're, you're from north of the wall, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, north of the wall. That's funny. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Barhead, Alberta. It's almost the geographical center of Alberta. It's seven and a half hours north of the Montana-U.S. border. Um, it's cold. In the summertime, for about three or four months, it's a beautiful place, but... Grandpa, when we were growing up, had an indoor arena. We grew up roping in there for eight months of the year. Little barn, one of those culvert styles, you know, like half a culvert. Right. And uh, it was 80 feet wide, but with the culvert and the angle, we lost five feet on each side. So it was a 70 foot wide building. It was like maybe 200 feet long, no insulation, had an old wood burning stove, and man, it was awesome. And then, uh, in 2004, I think, we moved, or we started going to Arizona in the winter. And since, until I went to college, I went down there for at least two or three months with Dad at his place every winter. And, yeah, I mean, it just comes down to my family has given me endless amounts of opportunity with all that kind of stuff, so. Right. When you say cold, what what is, the, what is like, a, a normal high and a normal low on a... Uh, a northern night like I don't know how to do the conversion when it gets below freezing but I mean like normal was 20 25 below zero and zero is 32 so I mean it's it's cold our temperatures meet up at the Fahrenheit and Celsius I can't remember they meet up at 40 or 50 but we've dang sure been that cold before it's it's nasty in the winter it's not a good place yeah I think the last winter I spent in Idaho um, I'd been in Arizona for a couple of winters and then one winter for some reason I stayed up north for, for quite some time and and I was saddling my horse and I was outside to go in this building and rope and there's the same kind of it's kind of a tent building that we were mm-hmm. roping in so it, it didn't get it, I mean you, there was no snow on the <laughs> arena but it was cold and it was like negative uh, 17 degrees and I was like man that's it. Um, I, I like that. That next few days, I started packing up and I went down to Arizona. Yep. And I haven't really stayed in Idaho or up north in the winter since. So and 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 then I'm kind of a 
I'm kind of a pussy when it comes hey, to that. Man, like, me and you both. I've got nothing to prove about that. I don't like the cold, and I'm not going to force myself to like it either. Right. So you, what year did you go to college? I graduated high school in the summer of 2012. So 2012 in the fall was my freshman year. Okay. So not too shortly after that, uh, 2006 was your first, or 2016 was your first NFR qualification, right? Yep. Yep. So how old were you when you made the first finals then? Uh, I think I, I was 22. 22. Yep. And how many years had you like pro rodeo, went to all the rodeos when you made it? Um, You know, that's kind of a... I feel the year before I went to a lot of rodeos. I right. went to a lot. But I never really had the mindset of the NFR as a goal. You know what I mean? Like obviously that was what we were everybody dreams about and wants to do, but I feel like 2016 was my first year of I had the horses, I had the partner. Like it was a like a true goal and a like a realistic goal to make the finals that year. So I rodeoed a lot in 2015. I got my feet wet really kind of experienced the the full deal of it but uh 2016 beginning to end was my true my true start to to rodeo right so along the same time frame you were talking about hey you know the roping was kind of the priority and the horses weren't and yep. they at what point in time was did this kind of all you start realizing that like hey i, I need to focus on my horses a little bit more it was in the the summer of 2017 Right after the finals, uh, Badger, the black horse, won the horse of the year in 16. I did not a good job at the NFR. I roped decent enough in the winter of 2017, but Shay and I weren't roping good together, and he went to go try heading. And uh, I started roping with Dugan Kelly. And, man, I hate talking about how bad I did for Dugan. I loved roping with Dugan, but I did an awful, awful job roping for Dugan. And just it was all... All horsemanship, like, didn't ride my horse to the cow. I mean, I wasn't giving neither my horse or my partner a fair chance. And Dugan went home, and I bought, do you remember the horse 44, the big bay I bought from Chad Masters? Yep. I I did some selling on some other horses, and I bought that bay in July or August, I can't remember. And I started roping with Worley. We finished the year with Worley. And that horse was so automatic, you didn't need to ride him, but... We started going to the cow again and actually making runs, and that's kind of I guess it's been the, that that time frame when I started riding 44 and a free horse, and I started roping the horns was easy again, and we started winning and clicking away. I think that was when the light bulb mainly come on. We're saying, well, obviously what you're doing is not right. not working because you have this horse that is easy and he's patterned, and I can't screw him up, and now I'm winning. So having that that kind of all hit me like a tidal wave pretty hard was when I realized that. And then that fall is when I went and lived with Dean Tufton and Sean Grant for a few months and restarted everything. Right. Those guys really ride some horses over there. They got some talented horses and there's a a lot of, a lot of horsemanship involved with the skill level, a really high skill set of horses that you're riding. Yeah. The horsemanship was on another extreme, you know, where, my family is very, they're good horsemen, and then I kind of went away from that and just strictly roping. And then when I went to live with Dean and Sean and uh, Kelby too, but when I was over there, I was there for two and a half months, and they didn't let me rope a steer until the end of the second month. Really? Yep. It was... How does a guy take that? It was hard. It was It was really hard. Like, 
especially knowing because Stephenville, you know, everybody's over here. They're grinding, they're roping, and going to jackpots. And I'm over there, and I'm putting my rope on in the chute. I'm turning and circling steers. And at the time, you're just frustrated. You're like, man, what am I doing? Like, is this, is this the right thing to be doing? And I remember Sean and Dean, they just stayed on me. Like, just trust the process. The Their big thing was, is you can rope. That doesn't matter. But if this black works, that's when you're going to be successful. And, man, I just, it was hard. But, yeah, I trusted him. I remember talking to my dad every day. He was on me about it. But stay there, try it, trust it. I mean, he said, obviously, what you're doing isn't working. So right, try this. So. Well, to go back to this 2016 year, because that's, that's kind of the first time I really got to watch you rope a lot, and it seemed like I was up the same time as you. Like, I remember Austin, and I remember watching you guys go in the kind of the, what is, before the semis, so kind of the first qualifying yep. rounds, and, and just the runs that this black horse would make. And I'm like, man, this is, this team is, it just seemed like you guys got on a roll and it didn't stop. And that horse, man, he's, I mean, let's talk about this badger, because this <laughs> sucker has, he's got all kinds of buttons on him too he does man he's a he's a freak of nature he's such a cool horse he uh he's the kind where if you stay out of his way he'll be as easy as you want but if you ask him for all of his buttons you're gonna have more than you want to so i mean i remember uh this winter chad rode him at his house we were just playing around and he rode up there and i mean he freaking sat down and showed him to drag his butt and he wanted to work like a horse show kind of you know like too showy and everything and I remember telling him just if you ride him and ask him for too much he's going to give that to you and then the next one he just kind of sent him away and just trusted him and I mean he was as easy as easy as you can get so it's just a he's a really really talented horse he's a freak of nature he's just he's not a day off either I mean he's uh I mean it's just like anything that's good I guess it takes time and but yeah he's a he's a lot well, I think that's what makes a, a great horse special, and it's why sometimes they're like they're they're tough to manage because you know you think of, think about it from the head horse perspective. You go to the indoor rodeos where they got to come up the wall and control mm-hmm. their feet, and the face and the finish is so important as well as handle the steers. To be able to do that takes a lot, and and then to control them buttons because you got to step away from these old steers that sometimes suck or follow, and and they're heavy, and then. You, I mean, I remember being out there at Ellensburg and watching you guys win. Would you win the second round of Ellensburg on him or something like that? But, yep. like, you know, to be able to go to the long boxes in the Northwest on fresh steers and, and make good runs. And, and that's what's tough is it's like to do both on these horses mm. is, it, I mean, it's it takes a lot out of a head horse. Yeah, it, it, I think that's a true definition of a great horse. You know, uh, when we did go to the NFR on that horse, I didn't rope good. And that, it wasn't even the horse. That was strictly me. Like he was good. He was free the whole week. And but I, I rode him at the Canadian finals. I've won the Canadian championship on him. We won reserve last year. I had a lot of success on that horse. And then, like you said, being able to ride him there at Ellensburg and Shay and I have placed at the grip on him. And like, I think that's really cool to have the horse that can handle both ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think of Badger when I think that because it's not really my place to. I don't like saying my stuff's better than anybody's, you know what I mean? But when I think of a great horse that can handle both, I always think of Marty, you know, Clay Smith's great. Like, right. I think that's the coolest thing. I mean, he rides him at the BFI, and he looks obviously one of the best horses there, and then he rides him in the Thomas and & Mack, and he's arguably one of the best horses there. And I think that is 
the true definition of a great horse, and I think that is so cool. Right, um, and I, I totally agree, and I think Marty doesn't get enough credit because they don't have the papers on him, <laughs> yeah. so he can't win Head Horse of exactly. the Year, or else he yep. probably would have won it yep. once or twice by now. Um, yeah. So how does Head Horse of the Year, like the actual process work that, you know, because that was, man, I mean, that's your first year going to the final. So I, I think there's probably a lot on your plate. I, was that even on your mind that he could win Head Horse of the Year? Yeah, actually. So um, the Head Horse of the Year is actually decided before we get to Thomas and Mac. Right. Um, the top 25 guys in the world get a vote on that. And then I can't remember when you get the call. It's like November time or something. Right. But winning that, man, that was... That was pretty cool. That was a, that was a big deal. Um, I think that's a huge accomplishment to have one of the greatest horses, and especially when it's noted by your competitors. You know, I think that's that's a huge deal. Two thousand eighteen, he won reserve. Uh, that's actually my favorite one. Right. Two thousand sixteen, that was such a, a high year. You know, I mean, everything was so perfect. Like, can't even. I don't even compare anything to that because. I mean, that's everything we've pretty much dreamed about, right? Right. But 2018, after what he did in 17 and what I did, and then to come back and rope with Cole Davis in that year, he made his first NFR. We were close enough. We were, like, not close enough, but we had a decent enough year, you know, for where we came from in 17. And for to be at the lows with that black horse and then for him to win reserve in 18, that was a, that was a pretty cool pat on the back to – not to me, but for my my people in my corner for knowing what we put into that horse to kind of get a little bit back out of it. You know, I think that was that was pretty huge. Man, I, I think it's big because, um, you know, obviously 2017 was, it, it was a rough year and you didn't rub the way you mm-hmm. wanted and the horse wasn't work. you know, you weren't riding him and probably wasn't working the way you wanted or whatever it was, but to be able to come back and then to bring it back and, and to take your horsemanship to the next next level and get your rope in where you wanted it to be. Yep. It's a it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. It was a journey, man. And, I, and it it was rough, but I'm sure glad that I got to go through it. You know, looking back at it, there's so many things that I've learned and I've I've fixed with I mean, roping and more just because of the hardship, you know, like getting to overcome that time and that stuff. I think that was it was really good for me. I think I really, as a person, as a competitor, I think I really, really needed to go through that. Well, this is, I, I wanted to talk about this because um, every team roper, young kid, I want to make the finals. Yep. And, and that's that's kind of the standard. But what I don't think everyone understands is in rodeo, it, shit can go south. <laughs> Fast. Yeah. And and I talked to you, and or I talked to Shay about this after the finals, a, a few weeks after or whatever, and he's like, man, we, we were making the run. The practice was fine. And you got out there to the to the rodeo and obviously didn't head the way you wanted. Want, want to go around, but man, it was a, it was a rough finals. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, it was one of those that just could wreck a guy's, you, you've seen some guys that have had some bad finals. And they don't really come back from it. Yep. And and I wondered about that for you. I was like, man, what what is this going to be like for him coming back? And to hear you say, hey, uh, to kind of own it, and then that is that kind of the source of motivation. Is like, hey, I I want you know, I this is my dream. I love roping because if you you know you get to that stage and you don't have the success that you want, but you still are out there grinding and. I mean, not even turning steers the next right. couple months because you want to get better. I I think that's the kind of stuff that 
man, it's tough to beat that guy. It is, man. And it's, uh, like you said, not overcoming that. That was a fear, you know, in 2017. And it's all self-induced. You know what I mean? It's it's all on yourself. But I hate to keep a fire that doesn't need to be burning, burning. But in 17, when you weren't doing good, it was just like snowball effect. You know what I mean? Like, man, I didn't do good there. I didn't do good there. Now I got this snowball that I just can't stop from growing. Like, it was time just to completely step away from it and fix my problem. You know what I mean? So, like, and... I think it's something that everybody has to overcome and go through in their own ways. You know what I mean? Like, if it's losing a little bit or losing big, I think it's just something that somebody and everybody has to go through. I wasn't I wasn't down here as a kid, and I didn't have a lot of, like, big-time success down in the States. But in Canada, you can't say it was easy, but I expected to win. You know what I mean? Like, the, right. the winning came to me at home. I was... Like lots of young guys that do good, I just seem to win. And then I roped a lot. I, my dad and my grandpa, everybody helped me a lot. So I knew I was putting my time in and I was getting stuff back. And then to come down here and just have a different world. And it's so it's such different roping down here, you know what I mean? But when the winning wasn't easy for me that next year, yeah, that was that was mind-blowing to me. Like it was just something I haven't really been through in that big of a spectrum, you know what I mean? And to go through that and to realize that it's not just a easy deal. You know, like you can't just wake up and expect to rope good. Like there's guys that are the best in the world that are waking up before the sun. They've got horses saddled. They're roping, they're riding, they're grinding through it. Well, how, how do I beat those guys if I'm not doing that? You know, and I don't think I would have got the full spectrum of respect for the sport that I need if I wouldn't have gone through the hard times that I did with my roping career. And like I said, I'm pretty grateful that those hard times I actually got to go through. Well, it, it makes it where a guy like you can take something for granted. Mm, you can take time. You can take winning for granted. Like, yeah. Oh, this is, this is easy. This is how it's supposed to be. Exactly. Just how I drew it up. And then the losing, you know, you're like, man, this, this is the worst feeling. But what, I, what I think it does is the losing. If you can go through that and then still, keep working and do whatever it takes and, and basically remove all pride and go do like, Hey, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to yep. put these horses together, to ride better. And, and then months, years later, you know that you can go through that. I think that's where, uh, it, there's a difference between guys that can rope for a few years and guys that can make a career out of yep. it. I agree. I agree. And, uh, just to get to rope with, like, I've always been in Stephenville. I've always wanted to have a badass partner that lived here with me. You know, like, that was kind of like the dream. You know what I mean? To have somebody close that was badass enough to go to all the ropings, rope every day, and then to get to rope with Hunter. I mean, I think highly of Hunter's healing. You know, I think he is rank. And that, getting to rope with him and feel like we kind of have a long-term partnership in the works, I that was a big, like... I don't know if I want to say a sigh of relief or what it was, but that felt like success too. You know what I mean? To have that. And then we had a decent enough winter. Our run feels good. I just, that was a big deal to for myself and my career to kind of get that partnership put together with somebody I wanted to rope with and a great run that we have. I just, I'm, I think that was a big, big feeling of success, honestly, is what I think of it. Well, and I think too, it, it just goes to show, um, 
your heading like we videoed with you the other day and one thing you talked about is how i want to use my horse first and set set it up and you've you've had a few healers you know like shay i i think he sets it up and is pretty pretty catchy type of mm -hmm. healer but cole davison he he throws fast and fast. hunter he throws really fast yep. maybe, maybe the fastest outside of one or two guys like he reminds me of a young cory pets or something I'm talking like that. fast yeah and uh but what it what it's kind of makes it fun to watch is you guys have this run and it's like you know you know you have to keep your horses working and handling steers a certain way and it sets it up where it goes just it gets fast it and, does. and and i i think that that kind of it, it gives you that long-term feeling like hey you can build horses around each other you've got this comfort zone with each other you know that if you need you can go an extra swing yep. to set the steer up and he knows that you're not going to put him in a bad situation exactly and and i think it's just like i mean we watched you guys the other day at tucson and i know that it didn't have the finish in the short run like you wanted but the runs you guys were making at tucson which is tough to do you yep. guys were mucking it out of them and, and i think it's it, it makes it where it's there but it's not going anywhere either like it can this year can go great it can go bad but two three years from now we could see you guys roping together or you know you can have that type of run yep. with with any partner or him still going and and be successful and i think that's where a lot of that um comes from the the past like you know building on this horsemanship and building on these things and taking the time to like do things that suck would you agree with that <laughs> yeah, man i agree completely the the extracurricular you know the the not roping part is kind of boring in a, in a way you know what i mean if you're not into that i personally i love it so i like going slow i like roping the trotters i like i like putting my time in but for somebody that's used to just blasting steers all day that end of the end of the spectrum is kind of boring but man it's so necessary you know what i mean like hunter so three weeks ago, we were practicing, just talking, and uh, Hunter asked, or I asked Hunter what he thought we needed to do to do better at the jackpots. And he said, man, let's, for three weeks, he said, let's make two or three realistic runs on every horse. Like, just score a lot, and then the runs we make, let's make them real. And I said, sure, let's try that. And our practices felt great, and then we go to the ropings, and just didn't seem like everything was kind of jiving, you know what I mean? And right. We went to Oklahoma this weekend on the way home. He said, man, he said, let's go back to doing what you like to do. He said, let's go slow. Let's lope them off. And I said, are you sure you want to do that? I said, because I know how Hunter likes to rope. I mean, he like you've seen him. He's full contact. He likes to attack the steer. Yes. Right? He's, if he's on his A string or if he's on whatever string, it's mad at the feet when they hop. As soon as they hop, we're healing them. And he's like, yeah, I, I need to do it. He said his horses felt like they were... Like they were great in the practice pen, and then when he needed them to be soft or wherever at the ropings, he didn't have that because of what we were doing in the practice pen. But where I was going, I said I was like, it's boring. You know what I mean? Like it, it takes a lot of time. It's all day. You go slow. You waste a lot of cows. You just give up runs. And I think it's super necessary. And for Hunter to kind of feel that with his good horses, I thought that was pretty cool for us to go back to it. You know, the trial and error spectrum I think is so big and so necessary and i think you just grow as a team and as people too when you try stuff grind through it if it doesn't work well try something else you know what i mean right because i think in roping it what's there's a couple of things that happen i think we go to rodeos and jackpots and then one guy might have a good day or a good run and you watch that and you're like man i need to change everything i'm doing this is the way right 
And then what you don't realize is like long term or even the next day that that might not be there for that person. Exactly. And so there's always that like, hey, we need to have a game plan that can work for the whole year. It's got to work hundreds of times. And so what best fits your swing, his swing, all of that. But also, I think these these horses, you know, that when we practice, they need to have this feel and be forgiving at times. But we also need to have that confidence that we know that we can make that run. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, when we, we videoed the other day, you talked about practicing and doing it right. So what does your practice and what, what does like that doing it right practice schedule look like to you? Man, I like to go slow. I like, for me personally, to head to head my best, I feel like I have to be pushing my horse like I have to be able to push them to my spot but they also have to be running uh Trevor Brazil did that deal on Facebook the other day and he was talking about head horses and this is the best way I've ever heard it explained he said a good head horse you have to have your gas on your foot on the brake and your foot on the gas at the same time and that just it completely set in with me where my for me to head my horses have to move their feet I went to a slide last night and I rode a bay that's kind of long strided and man, I felt like I was swinging backwards. But I got on another horse that really moved his feet, and I feel like I could head. But they also have to slow down when they get to their spot. Like, they need to know their job for me to do, for me to feel confident. So it's a lot of different different drills that I do. I pull them off of a lot of cows. I keep them in the left lead. I rope a lot of slow steers with my hand down, making sure they know their job. And then maybe one or two a week, I'll see, like on my runners, I'll just see a little bit around the end of the gate and then make sure they're running underneath of me. And then I go back to just installing more confidence in their job. And I just think it's there's so much like us where if they know their job, they don't get hot, they don't get scared, there's no fear in them. And they're patterned so you don't have to worry about them. When we get head horses that score and then run blind, that, that really scares me because all we always talk about is drawing the loper. You know, like, yeah, you get through ropings by catching the runners, but you win ropings or do really good at ropings when you blast that loper. Now, we train our horses for these runners, and then we draw the loper, and now our horse gets in our way. Well, now we're completely defeating the purpose of what we're doing. You know what I mean? I roped with, I practiced with Jade, the, uh, it was probably last month, and that's what he said. He said, guys, I always want to practice on runners, and then we go to ropings, and we want to draw lopers. Like, it's kind of like we're chasing our tail, you know? So that really made sense to me, too. I mean, why do we always want the biggest, fastest Mexicans to practice on, and then we want to draw the littlest, slowest Mexican at the jackpots? Right. So, I mean, it's just, they have to be able to run, they have to move their feet, but they have to know their job, and they have to do it without your help. I, man, I, I, I totally agree. And I think for these good horses, it's so natural for them to, and the great ones, they want to do a lot. Yes. And so when when they're they're willing to give you everything they've got, it's like, well, their 70% might be perfect. Well, that's where, exactly, that's where I am with the black. And I, that's even kind of where I am with my head. If, uh, if I feel like I give 100% of my ability... I kind of helicopter my swing, you know, I kind of get a little blind, it's kind of a little blurry, and but when it works, it's sweet, but my percentages go way down. So I like to try, and, in my mindset, I like to put like 85 to 90% of it into that run, where my 10% is kind of out, still controlled, looking on the outside, like controlling the fact. And that's the same way with great horses, I think, where I can ask that black for 100%, 
but it's going to be a lot. You know what I mean? Like maybe too much to handle on the right steer where if I get him 75, 80% out of him where he's kind of wanting to take it pretty easy. Well, now I have a badass jam up horse that feels like a layup. You know what I mean? Like he's just as easy and gentle as you can get, but he's still effective, which is, I think, way more, way better in the long run. You know what I mean? Where lots in second and thirds add up to way more one out of three or one out of four first place checks you know what i'm saying oh i i totally agree and and i think even for me just like if i like i'm roping a steer i was thinking about this last night uh uh we did uh some video last night and i i did i was doing some heading and and i was heading pretty good i was turning them and then i one of the last steers i went to run he's just a a really good steer with these small horns and i had had two or three really good loops like i'd, I'd like welded it on them and i wasn't even really thinking about it I was like, right. man, that, that loop looked pretty good <laughs> and i was like man i, I want to do this again and i've Man, I like I tried to just like stand my knot up and just make like you know one that gets right. gets gets everyone's attention and I hit him <laughs> right in the back of the head and I and I got thinking about it, I was like you know the whole time I was just out there trying to catch like trying to lay it on the horns dang near yep. and you know we what I I feel like for me and, and a lot of us is we rope the dummy and the dummy gets kind of easy like and we really can, and a lot of things like you can really crack it on the horns uh, using a lot of power yep. But if we really open it up and just try to catch the horns, it feels like we're sacrificing the how pretty our loops look and stuff. But when you get into a roping, I, they don't care what the the loop really looks like as long as it's an efficient loop with a lot of coverage. You know, if, you, if you're thinking about it, you run four or five steers, one steps left, one steps right, or one slows down, and you got to open it up. You know, if you catch all of those steers and give yourself a chance, you did a good job. I... Uh... I personally, I think where he deserves the most credit is Caleb Driggers on that deal. Where, like this Sunday, we go up there, we're going to have, pick one, we're going to have four runs, right? Out of all of his partners, you can almost guarantee he's going to draw one that lopes and goes right or left, and he's just going to throw a big old head loop out there. And he's going to dang near split the horns, and it's just going to, he's going to have so much forgiveness on his loop, he's just going to, catch him and he's probably going to win great in the roping with that partner where a lot of guys myself included will get to jamming it up we're going to try and wear those horns out that good steer that maybe steps a little bit to the left or the right has a great chance of taking us out of the roping where he does such a good job of just a big coverage he's so talented he throws pretty loops regardless but he's going to catch like it doesn't matter what he catches he's going to catch something and I think that, like you were talking about, we just get so so caught up in the pretty loop or what it looks like rather than, man, I want to hold the first place check. I want to look like that. I don't care. Like the old saying, well, they don't send a picture with the check. Well, they literally don't. So why does it matter? You know what I mean? Like find a way to catch something. It doesn't matter what it is. Just make the cow go left for your partner. Well, and I think it translates to our horse, like you're saying. You know, the, the, the other thing is that that faster tighter swing increases their foot speed exactly or the swing that's too slow and they can read it too well so it's like trying to find that happy medium that 85 percent or whatever it is that allows your horse to be under control and then for you to however you scored and whatever type of steer you have you go catch them and if you need to take more risk if you need to do more you do it exactly but i, I think that that's where these headers are getting really really great like the, the guys that have run, they, I think it's just come from they've run so many steers that they realize 
we need to catch. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it looks like or anything. If we don't turn the cow, we don't win money. We don't win anything. So it doesn't matter how or what. Just we have to turn the cow regardless of what's going on. So the harder I try to throw a prettier head loop, the least chance I have of trying or of turning the cow. So what good is that pretty head loop when it really comes down to it? Right. I, I'm a basketball fan, and, man, I always go to that, that Kawhi Leonard. What, what is it? Is it a bored man gets paid? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, or boring, exactly. boring man gets paid. Every time, man. And, and it, you know, how true is that? That guy is a winner at the highest level, and he's so quiet, and, and how he goes about it, and really nothing about his game wows you till you watch it as a whole, and you're like, he really does everything. And, I, you know, I think that's so, so big in any level of roping or any level in sports, you know, like, from winning the number 10 roping and up, you know, winning the college finals, the NFR, the Canadian finals, whatever it is, I think it's so big by not beating yourself. Like, the overcoming that fact of not beating yourself makes any win a huge achievement, no matter who you're roping against. And that I think that goes back hugely into the board man always gets paid. Well, if you never beat yourself at no matter level of, or any level of roping that we're at, that's huge, you know, and you didn't beat yourself, and you're just, like you said, the board man that just completes the course always always gets paid, and that's that's so huge on on every level of what we're doing. Well, and I think you, you look at it at, at any discipline. Uh, man, I've really been getting into, like, Stoics and, and guys that, like, they talk, like, uh, Zen masters and how they talk about training themselves, and it's like, like chop wood, carry water every day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you do these same things every day, these monotonous things, these these slow, boring things on horses every day. Well, if you do it for three or four days and then you go back to whatever, it doesn't really work. No. But what if you do it for as long as it takes, years if it has to be, then you have this this foundation that yeah. cannot, you know, that cannot be cracked. Like, And I think that's where the work and the getting up in the morning and and not being afraid to spend all day on horses and go slow and and you know i think that's that's where we get a lot of guys get lost because they want to go practice and and rope and and make this certain type of run where if you're putting your horse first you might have to you might spend five six hours on five head horses you you know full for sure you are yes And, and I think that's where, where it gets tough because it's like, okay, how do, how do I feel confident for myself? And, and roping, it takes a lot of resources. Head horses cost a lot. Steers cost a lot. It just all costs money. Yeah, way too much money. <laughs> yeah. do, you, how do, you, do you have practice horses that you'll kind of make some runs for you as well? Um, or how do you try to, to get that, that aspect if you're looking for a certain feel or something like that? Yeah, I do. I got a couple of horses, practice horses that it's strictly for that and for my partner. Um, mainly for my partner, where he can still get realistic goes when he's needing them. You know what I mean? Um, I like to rope the dummy a lot. That's, I like to stay sharp, keep my loops feeling right on the dummy. Like we were talking about earlier, my style, or not, I don't even know what's my style, but my roping, I, I have a tendency of wanting to jam my swing. Like that's my, my go-to, kind of helicopter my swing with no real reason of why I'm swinging my rope or where I'm swinging my rope. So for me going slow and trusting that process when I see other guys that are making really good runs in the practice pen, that's just something that I know is trial and error and that, that works for me, where... If I'm going to go slow in the practice pen, 
cover my bases, you know, keep my arm in the right spot, just stick to the fundamentals. When I'm needing to push up or speed up my roping, that's easy for me. It's hard for me to slow it down. So slowing it down is what I work on so that I can push onto it when it's needed. The big thing that I like to think of or what my, my dad has always kind of instilled in me is that you're a basketball guy, right? So every practice, you guys don't scrimmage, you know? You don't just play basketball. Right. You do footwork, you do shooting, you do passing. And that's what dad has always said to us is you just get caught up roping, you're not doing anything. Like if you scrimmage all day playing basketball, you're going to make some pretty bad habits. That when you're going to need to make that easy shot, your bad habit installed in that scrimmage game is going to come forward and now you're probably not going to make that shot. Where if you put your time in and you go slow in your practice and you work on your fundamentals of your shot, that game winner, well, you're going to trust the process because you know you put your time into it. And that's kind of how I look at it is heading is just like a whole sport where I work on my horses, I work on my, my scoring, I work on my roping. It's a, it's, a, it's a split screen that when needed, I put it all back together. It's kind of how I look at it. And I, I, I think that hits it right on the head. When did you start doing this self-evaluation and like realizing, hey, this is how it works for me. It might not be for everyone else, but I have a, I have a tighter swing. I have a, a swing that wants to get going too fast. You know, when did you start to realize these things? Like, this is my type of practice and this is what works for me. Well, just recently, honestly, uh, like I said, in 18, when I lived with Dean, I didn't rope. Like I roped the, he, uh, he had a Smarty. We roped the Smarty a lot. We roped the lead steer a lot. And then I remember we went to the winter rodeos roping with Cole and man, heading just felt simple. Like it was, my horse was working. I knew where to throw my rope. I could just see the whole picture. And then uh, last year roping with Jeremy, we liked, to, he, we liked to practice real runs. And I headed decent enough, but it wasn't just a clear picture to me. Like it, it worked because my horses were working, but it wasn't just, I see the whole run. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the year, last year, when I kind of sat down and Hunter and I talked about roping, before we agreed on roping, I asked him, I said, man, our practices might be a lot boring than where we see others at, but if you just trust my process, you're going to, I feel like you're going to reap the benefits of it. And he's been really good about it. And this winter, same kind of thing. My horse was easy and he was soft. I felt like I could see the whole run coming in front of me. And it's that's kind of when it all set off this winter is just, man, that that's what I need to do. Like, I don't I don't need to stray away from that because, yeah, I, I, I don't have the sharp practices. You know, I've got nothing to show off, but I'm out here grinding behind a closed door, and I feel like when the lights come on at these rodeos, it's been effective. And I think that's that's the whole purpose of it. You know what I mean? I mean... We can sweat and we can throw some shitty ass head loops in the practice pen, but as long as I trust my process that when the lights come on and we're at somewhere that it matters, me and my horse are prepared. I know I've put my time in that works for me. And and then getting a little bit of success this winter has just been the extra, I guess the reward or the reassurance that, man, this is what I need to do. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's the, the deal is when we lose confidence or wonder what we're doing, um, it's really easy to look at it short-term rodeo because yep. it's just like this. This year's a great example. We've there's only been a few rodeos, anyways, and then everything kind of got canceled. Mm -hmm. And so it's like things can happen real fast rodeoing that are really out of your control. So we're 
our win percentages are naturally low. Yep. Even the best guys with the highest winning percentage of the sport are going to be pretty low. So understanding like, hey, I, I've got to put myself in a good spot. And if I can do that enough times, you know, this is this is going to work. And is that do you think that's kind of how you get confidence and uh, kind of that that mental preparation as well, knowing that, you know, you put a lot of this work in but you're kind of trusting that, that process. So you're not really worried about outcome. Yeah. Um, like you said, our, you win a lot, but you lose a lot too. You know what I mean? Like a lot. So that was my, as a person, I think previously my biggest problem was, is I let my highs get too high and my lows get too low. And I, I base my happiness off of my wins. So that part, that does not work. You know, for anybody or any kid that is listening, just stop that. You know what I mean? Like, save yourself time, save yourself years. Do not do that. You're never going to win enough to be happy. Yeah, if you value your self-worth... Off of winning, it's not going to work. It's over. So I did. I did that. And that was hard. That was... That was... Put you in a bad spot in a hurry. And... I fell in love with the horseman side of it when I went up there. So now it doesn't matter what my results are in the roping. If my horse works good, I am so happy. That's a win. That's a win. That's If winning. I can go somewhere and I put my hand down and my horse works, I'm more than pleased. The end result, if I win, perfect. But if my horse has done his job and that all went my way, I'm more than happy. And I think that just trust in the process like you said and finding happiness in something that truly will give back to you and knowing that I put my time in and I spend my time with them horses and I work hard at it and then to them to give back to you that's that's a huge accomplishment I feel like and man yeah like go back to that do not base your wins or your happiness off your wins that's just a downward spiral effect that's just going to come fast if you hate yourself Tie tie winning to your self worth. Yes, yeah, do that. Yeah, if you don't like it, do that. Yeah, but. if you don't, if you don't want to enjoy yourself <laughs> or your life or want to be a fun person to be around, I'm telling you, and it's not fair to the people around you, your family, the people that call to say hi. It's just a. Uh, you won't stay roping if you do that. Right. That's don't do that. Well, and I think what we forget is as like I get further into my roping career, man. Um, summers really don't matter. Wins and losses really don't matter. But I see these guys that I used to rope with, and I've got a pretty good relationship with most of them, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy them. Exactly. And and, I, and the more like I'm like, okay, the people I'm around, like at the ropens, and 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 we can go go be in our deal and focus, and 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 we don't have to be like friendly or whatever it is. We can be in our own little deal at the roping. But in that atmosphere, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna run into a lot of good people. Man, you are. That was that was a big thing. I've asked a lot of people, you know, what do you do to get, to make sure you're getting back out of what you're putting into this sport? Right. And, uh, yeah, that was a, I've asked a lot of people that. And my favorite answer I ever got is the relationships that you make. That was the biggest thing. And then I was young and probably shouldn't have asked this question, but I said, what about money? I said, what about your money? Like, this is hard to keep our money put together. Yeah. Like, the greatest guys that have the greatest careers, they say winning isn't enough. Like, you need to sell horses. You need to put your winning somewhere else. Like, you need to make your winnings make you money somewhere else. And so I said, what about the money? And 
So, man, relationships. That's the only thing that matters. If you find the right people, you surround yourself with the right people. If I ever got in a bind, all I have to do is make a phone call and I could have a job with 15 to 20 of my friends that I have met through the rodeo career. Like, that was the biggest thing that they talked about was, man, just trust the process. Like, if you present yourself well, you're a good person, you're respectful, you're going to get back hands full of what you put into it with just your relationships of people. And if you're a nice enough man, you're never going to be in a true bind. You're always going to have somebody that's in a, a friend or anything that's willing to help in some sort of way. You know what I mean? And that was a big eye-opener for me was to stop worrying so much about, obviously, the money matters, but don't look at that picture. Like, take the relationships out of it is such a big win. You know, the people that we meet, the people we get to call friends, and like you said, that that's worth more than anything. Well, I think there's there's a couple things right there that are huge. To, to me, rodeo is like, it's like this college of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I truly believe X Factor roping will be successful is because I've rodeoed and I just won't quit. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, there's nothing bad. Uh, there's nothing that can happen to X Factor roping that is bad as rodeoing. <laughs> like I have went through what I feel like are the lowest of times. Yeah. And if I can push through that... Yeah. You can't. You cannot beat me. If you I, made it through a, f- a few of them Fourth of Julys out there, you can make oh, it through X Factor Team Rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's times so where I'm just, <laughs> I am like, man, what am I doing? And and if I can justify it in my head to keep going, on no sleep, no money, all of this, you yep. do. I mean, there's been times I've been in a stock trailer sleeping outside <laughs> on the ground rodeoing, and I'm like, man, if I can get through that. This deal, I'm inside working on an office. I'm going on video on these guys. Like, yeah, this is I'm, easy. I'm yeah. not going to quit. No, we got badass headphones. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I mean, I've been through much worse rodeoing. Yeah, so yeah. I, I always looked at it like that. Like, if I, when I decide to stop rodeoing and I focus on a business or I focus on the next thing, that you'll have all of this experience of what it takes to be successful. Because yep. not only that, you get to be around, or I get to be around, or we get to be around some of the greatest guys. And, and I and I go right to this like when you talk about meeting these people and treating them like Chad Masters jumps out. Oh man, yeah. He can sell all of his head horses right now, buy a whatever car, and go to all the rodeos. And every header there will let him ride his horse. They will give him the rope, hat, whatever he needs. Chad yeah. could have. I mean, if I got the money, I'd probably pay his fees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that is the best guy, and he's always been nice. And he was nice to me before he knew. I mean, when I was just this little asshole kid that didn't know anything <laughs> and now i'm just i'm still an ass but he he you know what i mean he's still this great guy to everybody exactly and and you think about that if he needs something i would give him whatever he needs he can make a phone call to anybody and he could have whatever he needed yep yeah. and and i think it's it's kind of the same way you could probably call chad or i could call chad and if i needed a favor he would do it yep and uh and i think that's the kind of that's what we get with this rodeo and like there's this unspoken, I don't know, bond, and you just kind of well, see is. things. There really is. You know, like, you ever blow a tire, trailers pass you, they don't they don't pass you without calling. You know what I mean? Like, there's make sure you don't need help. You know, there's just, like you said, there's the relationships that we make are huge, and then I really like the fact that you said that we learn not to quit. You know what I mean? That That is huge. Anything that you put to put yourself into in life, if you don't take no for an answer you're going to get the yes part at some point. And I think that comes into roping and into life. And like you said, we just really learn to enjoy it and deal with it as ropers because it's something that happens to us more than it doesn't. So 
yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of good stuff right there. Well, and I think I mean just for you look at it like hey you you went to college and and hopefully learned some learned a lot in college, mm-hmm. but you know getting through that 2017 year to get through all of that and to still keep moving forward to be where you're at today, working at it like you are today. I mean that is that makes you really it's hard to lose at that point because it's just like they're gonna have to kill you. Yeah, they are. That was a like that was such a huge life lesson, man. To grow up super blessed and have the huge support system and then for that support system to not be able to give you that yes answer when usually they can. You know what I mean? Like if it's hard when you're at home rodeo, you can just go home and figure it out. But you're out there in the middle of summer, you're grinding through it. There's nowhere to go. Like you gotta go again the next day and figure it out. And and that was just a huge growing up part that was so necessary and so useful. Like everybody's been through that, like we talked about earlier. And man, we get so much out of this sport. It's it's amazing when you just sit down here and talk about it. Right. Well, and and you think about that, man. There's so many guys that they have to have that one moment that that gets them. Yeah, to the this hardship next... to get over that part. Yeah. And to truly, I feel like to grow up and become like a man. You know what I mean? to grind through that, to get the hard part and to overcome it on yourself, there's, that's huge self-worth. You know what I mean? That's so satisfying. And yeah, if you don't get the results in your roping, well, I can look back and say, man, I, I overcame a lot. You know, like I'm proud of myself for that. That's a, that was an accomplishment. I think that was pretty cool. Well, you're showing yourself what it truly means to you because you think about how many people just have a, a ton of entitlement that have no want for money. And when they go out there and rodeo, and a lot of them don't stick for very long. Mm-hmm. They try it for a year or two, and if it's not, if it's not for them, they're done. And and it's vice versa. You know, it, there's all these scenarios. But what what I think we're all afraid of is failure. And what I think is the best for us is failure. There's nothing better. Yep. Because once you overcome it, you realize it's really not that big of a deal. Yep. What about the, you know, rodeo is, it's tough because we're, we're competing so, so much during the summer and, and kind of getting through slumps. You know, when, when things are kind of slumping for the team, do you have ways or something that you go to to try to get through a, a slump or, you know, when it's just not, the run's not working? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake we all make is the harder you try, the harder it gets. So, and it's hard when you're out there rodeoing because we can't go home and run 40 and then just trust the process. You know what I mean? So I think that's why it's so big when we are home to run as many as we do. That's why I like to video a lot too. I like a lot of videos. So when we're driving somewhere, I know I can say like, hey man, we can watch this video. Like we know we put our time in. If you just step back and don't make it so dang hard on yourself, things are gonna turn around. And I think a big thing of that that I always go back to is don't base your wins don't base your happiness off your wins. That's what I always go back to because, man, you can be mad. You have to be mad when you don't do good. But, you know, five, ten minutes, and then guess what? You have another one tomorrow, so it's time to get over it. And I get it. Sometimes it's harder than it isn't to do that stuff, but I think if you can install that in your career, I think that's why the great guys, everybody has slumps. You know, that's something I want to talk about next, but everybody has slumps, but the guys that don't let the lows get too low. They don't seem to have the slumps long as last as everybody else. And I think that's a big thing is the those guys that have learned to do so good. Like, I remember it was in uh, 17, actually. I seemed to rope with Luke Brown 
I seem to be up with Luke all the time that that summer. And uh, I remember there was like a week or ten days. We we both missed. Like it was just a, we just both didn't rope good. And he probably won't even remember it, but uh, it really stood out to me. And I remember I was down in the dumps, just freaking feel like I was dragging my feet around at the them rodeos. Like there was no point of me even being there for the mindset that I was in. And I remember every time I seen Luke, he was there looking at the draw, smiling his face, the happiest guy to be there. And he turned it around fast. He went back to having his normal career, his normal summer, and he kicked ass. And I drug my feet. My snowball effect got big and big and big, and I never overcame it. And sitting back, looking at it now, it's like, man, that guy's always happy. You know, like, obviously he's happy when he wins, but if he doesn't do good, he still says goodbye and smiles, and he's still there as a person in his mindset. You know what I mean? And that was one thing that really stands out to me. Just don't make a big deal out of it. Like, trust it, grind through it, it's going to turn around. Unless you drag your feet and make a bigger deal out of it than what needs to be, well, then you're in a, you're in a, you're in a pickle, right? But... You have that smile on your face. You truly are happy. You're you're enjoying what you're doing. Well, it ain't gonna last long. It's always gonna turn around. Right. Well, I think what's what's crazy about rodeo too is you know there's this process you kind of have to go through before each rodeo, like where you check the draw, see what you got. And I my favorite is end of July, August. You see them guys. Oh, I got this piece of crap steer, <laughs> and I didn't even got a chance. Yeah, they're beat before they nod their head. And then what happens? Not very often, but sometimes that steer might give it up or he might have a bad go or you might leave too early and just blow the barrier out and he's right there. And those guys that believe they can win. Exactly. Do it. I I remember watching some teams like I I remember it was that year that uh, Caleb and Jay drove together at Caldwell. They had this steer that outrun guys that it was like no, no chance steer. And I don't know if it was the first or second round, but everyone knew the steer run, and they were talking about it, and they just run through him. And it was like every ounce of rope that Caleb had and Jade wheeled him, but it was one of those runs. It was just like, wow. And and what I think we forget is those guys that are winners and that are truly believe they're win, that, that can win, yep. they can make that run. Exactly. And it's funny you said Caldwell because that stands out to me, too. Uh, last year, Brenton Hall, I can't remember the result of the run. But I remember Brenton heading him. I can't remember the steer who run him previously, but this sucker got it. And run off to the right, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking. You know Brenton. I mean, like. Yeah. I'm actually gonna go home and rope with him. I just I love being around that guy. He's so happy. He's so moderate in his mindset. Like it's just a, just a flat deal. He's never too high. He's never too low. You know. He's just. He scares me. I know. He is unreal. (laughs) He's amazing. And I just remember that at Caldwell. I would walked up to that draw. I'm like, please don't have that steer. And Brenton walked up there and he had that steer. And he's like, ah, oh, nothing I can do about it. Like he just had that mindset, you know, just see what happens. Rings the barrier back. He threw every ounce of that crazy heavy XR4 that he was using. Yep. Wears the horns out. I can't remember if Hawk got him or not. I'm sure he did. He turned him. He probably caught two feet. But right. I just, Brenton's heading that day. And it was just amazing now that we're sitting here talking about that. Like, I would have been so down in the dumps. I would have had to overcome it before I run that steer to talk myself into, no, you have a chance. And Brenton, he was just like, no, whatever. I got him. He just, that easygoing mindset, them guys always, always perform when needed. I think that's, that's huge. Well, and they, they don't add pressure. So it's like vice versa. When he gets the loper, 
he looks at it like, hey, I mean, when you get the loper, they don't. Some people, and I think these guys that are not winning, they have the like, oh, they ex- now they're like, there's all this pressure to win on this. Great yeah, exactly. Steer. Finally have the chance. Yeah, but it doesn't change it. You still got to score him smart. You got to know how to play that steer. Yeah, and it's the same thing when you get a steer that runs or what what might duck or whatever. You still have to complete the course. Yes, and you have to have your game plan. And I think that's where it goes back to, hey, this is this is that process. And you, if you treat it like you've been losing, you're probably yeah. it becomes more likely. Yeah, you're already beat most of the time before you back in the box. What about mentally? Do you work on things that improve your mental game or mental consistency when you're competing? Um, I try to. I try to work on that a lot. I uh, I went to uh, I'm drawing blanks on what it's called. What's the guy that a hypnotist? I went to a hypnotist. Oh really? Yep. And it was actually really interesting, man. It was it was a lot. I don't know if it worked or what it was, but I learned a lot from it. Just the mindset of it and kind of how to look at things and guys like Tiger, Tiger Woods has a mental or a hypnotist. So like when he's in a situation, he can take a like they're trained to take a breath and to put themselves in into that situation or in that atmosphere. Right. And Man, it, it it was pretty cool. Like, and I don't know if it really worked, but to know that I've tried, you know, like that was worth a lot too. But um, it's interesting. I, I I would recommend it to people. So, because I I did anything mental, I I think that we have no idea what our our minds are really capable yep. of. Um, and I and I think that like manifesting and things like that, like it it's all it all kind of sounds great, and you get people kind of selling you on that. But at the same time, like. You know, if you want something and you put the work in and then you kind of visualize it, 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 it makes it more likely to happen to me. Yep. But I think we get we forget how much work it actually takes to get in this situation. And uh, man, I I'm interested to see, like so I uh, dude, we got to tell the story, man, because I've, I've never really heard of this with a right. like a hypnotist. So well, I was on the verge of of being done roping. OK, I was on the lows, just right. Basing my happiness off my wins. We'll say it again. I was down. Right. And it just felt like I would prepare myself mentally where I'm like, okay, I'm over that. Today's a new day. Like I'm turning it around today. And I'd be good. I'd be good. And then I'd back in the box. And it just felt like everything was just back on my shoulders. Right. And man, I give it an honest, like a hard, hardcore effort. I went to every little rope and at home, like I did, I felt like I was doing everything just to, Put myself in situations and then to get rid of that and then i could head good and then one thing happened and it's just like boom, all the weight again yeah so i didn't know what to do and we had this really really good family friend his name is dr bob steadward at home he was like the he's the founding president of the paralympics okay he's a he's a pretty big deal right. for in the sports industry he's inducted in the canadian sports hall of fame and stuff like that and uh my dad called him for me and we talked to him on the phone and Dr. Bob laughed. He said, okay, we'll try this. So he set me up with this hypnotist in Edmonton. And I went in there and it was, he talked to me about it before and our subconscious, we train our subconscious. So it's like, he explained to me that there was this little girl that come in there. She was a 14 year old girl and she was this badass figure skater. And at the, at the end of every of her spins or whatever, when she was skating, her toe that was in the air would get lazy. And she would always think about it, but then when she put her body into motion, she forgot about her toe. Because she taught her subconscious to not worry about it. So, 
he has to like rewire your brain and recreate a subconscious for a new route for your brain to think about. Right. And it was like a week. This girl went in there every day, two hours. They talk about the process going into the spin. And then he, when they got to this part of the spin, this guy would like stop her in her mind. And then they'd go through it and he would say, now remember your toe. Like he trained her subconscious to think about her toe. And she went out to the next competition and I guess her coach said, hey, what did you do to this girl? Like her toe was all of a sudden working. And he just explained it to that, like I said, your subconscious can be retrained. So when I put myself in a situation, my subconscious was just wired from all my bad thoughts, my bad mentality that this is where it's going. So we would always talk myself through, like we started at, when he hypnotized me, we would start when I unloaded my horse at the rodeo. And we'd go through saddling and we'd go through looking at the draw. We would go through them singing the national anthem. We would sing, sit there watching the couple teams before me. And then I would back in the box and then he would just say, okay, you put your time in. Like he would just go through the most reassuring, not blowing smoke up my ass, but just like, you've put your time in. Like you're here for a reason. You know that you've done your part. And man, I'm telling you, like he gives me a, like I have a color that that's how it like my brain can switch into that mode. Right. And man, it, it was pretty cool I, I recommend it to people it, it was really really interesting i i think it's great because uh what i think what we don't realize is how much power our subconscious has dude it's everything and i think a lot of us have the a problem or troubles with letting go of our pride you know what i mean like this is kind of silly me telling you that i've been to a hypnotist you know like what are people going to think I but mean, i know it's effective so i don't really i don't care right, right. i know that it works so I think a lot of us are scared to put in the extra or the silly thing because of what it might look like or try it exactly you know uh because it's i mean it's i it really hits home for me because i i have this issue of i'm not good enough yep and when i miss a steer i'm not good enough that's like the, the weight fir- just comes back that's the first thing i say when i miss one at a radio i'm not good enough yeah so it, that that's so crazy because he can train that where the first thing you think of, his biggest thing is, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass because that's just going to create more disappointment. Right. But when you don't do good, you can be, you can train your mindset to burn. Like, no, nah, I put the time in. I know I worked on that. I got the next one. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, you're the baddest dude there is, but it's like, what you need to hear the normal stuff. No, you put your time in. Like, you don't suck. Like, you've worked hard at this. You know you can do it. And that was so huge to me when I'm back in the box now to not have that fear of that weight coming back where it's just that's that's gone. Well, and I think, too, it's it's really hard for us to look at the situation realistically. Yes. Like we have this almost a story that we're creating for ourselves. And it's like uh, if I miss him, it's and it's like, man, I'm just not good enough. Like that's what I tell myself. Right. I, my biggest issue I feel like I go to is like I, I do not have the talent that I'm not good enough. But then I'll like, I like, it jumps out to me at Denver this year because the second steer I missed and it was a pretty easy situation to get back to the semifinals. And I was like, man, it, the first thing when I missed him, I'm like, I, I mean, I was, that's what jumped out in my mind. And then I like, I have worked on this a lot, but how I look at it is like, okay, the steer, like I took my extra swing because I was just going for the catch. And then he kind of ducked his head and like stepped into me. Yep. And I'd quit riding my horse because he was good and and that's what i did i just stopped kicking my horse and the steer kind of got i just got in a little bad situation 
And I'm like, I, I know I'll catch that steer a lot. That's very rare that I miss that steer. Right. And that's the situation. It's no more, no less. And and I think that that's where we get so lost sometimes with, hey, it's I, it, that one miss has no effect on who I am as a header. Exactly. But I, I want to look at it like that. I think the biggest thing that we forget to do or that we, I don't know how to say it, that we do do is rather than the first thing to say is, man, we're not good enough. Where if you're realistic in that situation and you talk about what happened, it's fixable. So that's easy. Like if you can sit back, be real with yourself, look at the situation, fix the problem, boom, it's over. It's done. Rather than sitting there looking and be like, man, I'm not good enough. My horses aren't good enough. I don't score good enough. It's like, no, we sit back, we look at the situation, what happened, we fix it in our mind, boom, next rodeo. That was a, a big thing that I feel like I've overcame where rather than just letting the weight come back and the snowball effect go into play where I'm not good enough, my horses aren't good enough, I don't rope good enough, it's like, no, we're going to sit back. I split the horns either because I quit riding or I jammed my swing or maybe the steer just did something funky. But if we fix the problem, that's something to grow on. I actually feel like I can get more confidence doing it that way where knowing I looked at it, I fixed the situation, and then now I have the next steer rather than instantly taking the weight and the blame is a real thing to take like to fix the problem but not like the shame part of it right and the one thing that really stood out to me did you ever read jeremy bueller's article in the spin to win uh yes the badass one that the letter back to himself yes just trusting the process that was so cool but my favorite thing in there that i that stood out to me was people aren't looking at you like they think like you think they are looking at you they're not judging you as hard as you think they're judging you right like when I used to miss, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they think I suck. They probably don't even know I run that steer. Yeah. But I'm sitting here thinking about that rather than fixing my problem. So now that I don't even worry about that, fix my situation and the problem, I actually gain a little bit of confidence from my miss rather than going in the other direction. Well, it allows you to focus on solutions. Yes. And, and the how-to and kind of build this person essentially that can that can do that doesn't have those mental lapses because I, I think that's when you go back to it. If you've truly put the time in like you believe, which I, I, I mean, I think for a lot of us, it's we're all capable of winning it at the highest level. It's just the difference between the discipline that we have and the uh, knowing that we have that ability. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that's where it gets really big for like, for me, <clears throat> it's my horse. Like I have, I try to rope through my horse and if I put him in that spot, it's a layup. Yep. And going back to the Denver shot, I quit riding. That's it. No, no big deal. Right. And, and so if we we have that in our mind, like hey, I just all I have to do when I'm in the box is I just ride this horse, get those couple of good strides out of him, then you're then you're good. And and I think that's so what's so powerful about the sub subconscious is we have this feel, and I and I might have said this on a podcast before, but this one really just jumps out in my mind. Um, that one of the first things they have like a uh, like a trained boxer do like when they're going into a fight is they tell them not to think like they have their strategy but there's a a thinking mind is a slow mind exactly and they get beat up if they're thinking their punches aren't fluent they're not reacting they're not in the moment muscle memory yes yes they're not allowing it to take over and that's essentially like where the zone or flow state comes from is this subconscious and allowing it to activate. 
but we're like we're always kind of building on it too i think so i i go through that a lot where we've already talked about it but how i put a lot into my horses right like that's my main focus yep so then when i go to a roping if i'm not into the into the zone and i'm focused on our run i get to kind of worrying about my horse and riding him too much where now i'm actually fighting my muscle memory and it feels like i'm in a mental state of battle like i'm battling my my mind and my muscles because i'm wanting to do a little bit extra when i've already trained my body to do this so when i feel like i head best at the ropens is when i'm there and all i'm worrying about is score ride rope nothing else i see my start i ride to my spot i rope the cow now if i'm thinking all right i gotta stay over my saddle horn i gotta ride i gotta well now i'm just fighting everything i've just trained my body to do and like you said, like a thinking mind is a slow mind. Well, just that's why we practice so that we can trust our process when it matters. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that as a roper, it's, you know, I, I put a ton of effort into getting my body right. Mm-hmm. Because we, I think we all have a little bit different build. We're stronger in different areas. Our horses work and we ride them just a little bit different. Our swings are all a little different. So if we can put our body in the correct spot before we nod our head, and then that, that's my same focus. I have the start, and I am following my reins out of the box. Yep. Like I am just trying to get that momentum. Like I'm just following my horse out of the box, and I feel like my timing and everything with my horse is fine. Yeah, you don't feel like you're fighting yourself. But as soon as I start thinking about my swing, I got to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not going to be yeah, good. No, I'm the same way. I think everybody is. I think yeah. it's just part of accepting it or not. You know what I mean? Well, and, and, and understanding who we are, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the work really, I, I mean, I, I think the ability to self-evaluate is so big. And I think that's where losing gets, you can really turn it into a strength, is if you self-evaluate without tearing yourself down, but like, hey, this is, I'm, I'm weak here, I need to work on this. Yep. And that's when you go spend time on the dummy, you go spend time going slow and and it has to be a long enough time that it becomes muscle memory. Yeah, you have memory. to put an honest effort into it. It's not just a, I'm going to do this today and I'm going to have it fixed. Like, yeah. That's why I think picking things out to work on is such, it's so important to be realistic with yourself too, where just don't half-ass a judgment call. You know, like truly sit down and evaluate yourself and be real with it, where you're weak at. And, you know, I'm just as bad as anybody at that where, if you're going to find something, actually find something. Like, truly be real with yourself. Like, in a way, be hard on yourself. Pick your rope and apart and give yourself something truly to get better at rather than just say, man, I think I need to fix that. That's what I'm going to try. It's like, no. Sit down, look at it, figure it out. Give yourself an honest plan and give yourself an honest effort so you can get a true result from it, so you can actually grow from it rather than just keep getting disappointed from the same, same factor. Right. Well, and I think that what's important is to understand how many reps it's going to take and and what that sacrifice means. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to do something like that, you, you probably should know the risk and the reward because how many, I mean, going to football or something like that, how many Tim Tebow's are out there, which I love Tim Tebow, but that dude was probably one of the more gifted quarterbacks physical wise. Yep. But his throwing motion sucked. And he tried to change it as he was finishing his college career where you watch a guy like Tom Brady, who is always kind of working on those little fundamental things and has strength-wise is half as strong as Tim Tebow, but that guy's still playing in the league. And I think that... Mental strength, man. Yeah, the mental strength, the amount of reps that actually matter. 
you know, how many times did Tim Tebow work on his throwing motion where Tom Brady did? Right. You know, how many times when you go practice, are you working on this one little thing to build muscle memory? Well, if you like go do it for a week, you're going to have to be extremely talented to pick up on something and probably pretty young to pick up on something in a week. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at all the greats. I mean, you go to the 10,000 hour rule, which, you know, it depends on the hours and the amount of like effort that you're putting into it. But the amount of reps that it takes to master something is ungodly. Like it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And so I think that's where we have to understand like, Hey, if I want to fix something in my swing and I truly believe that this is an issue, it might take six months yep. of that just being one of your main focuses or hundreds of reps on the dummy. Yeah, man, it was so good to come here today and talk about that because that was just a gentle reminder again. You know, like two weeks ago, I found something that I think will that will really fix a lot of my problems at the rodeos. And I busted my ass on it, and then we went jackpot, and, and then I come back here, and I just kind of put it on a back burner, you know, where it's like, no, man, like I'm going home today, and I've got... I've got to grind through that. Like you said, right. like it's time. And like I was saying earlier, like you got to be true to it. You can't just half-ass it and expect full results. You know, you half-ass it, you get half-ass results. So I totally agree. I, I was thinking about this. I, I think my heading, and this this winter I, I didn't do a very good job with my practice schedule, but last summer was probably one of the best my roping had ever felt. And for 90 to 120 days i just focused on kind of like what you said but just riding my horse i roped a lot with marty becker and that's what we worked on i just worked on my horsemanship but i i felt like there was things in my swing that needed added and so i would rope the dummy and i i had it in my mind like i, I probably need a few thousand reps and i had this weird deal i was like i, I want to get better at reaching and i looked at these basketball players like lebron james and guys that wanted to work on their jump shot like how many reps they actually <laughs> put in just with jumpers and uh, i read a book about his trainer and i was like damn i'm i'm going to have to rope the dummy a lot yep and and that's when i go to like you know you like you talk about the the hypnotist but he visualizes it well I, that's what i would start doing so every time i rope the dummy right before i'd rope it i would visualize myself roping the dummy perfectly i would rope it and then right after i would visualize myself doing it how perfectly whether i did it or not right and then i'm like well one turns into three and i can get ten thousand yeah I can, yeah, I can get to 10,000. I, I got to rope it a few hundred times a day, like actual, like I got, I was probably throwing two to 500 loops a day. Mm-hmm. But you're like, if you times that by three, man, here in a few weeks, I have, I have worked on a two coil reach shot, one, two, three, four swings a lot. Yep. And my roping got, it was a huge improvement, but it was, man, I, I didn't stay with it for uh, uh, I mean, I'm not doing it now, you know, but a, it, a big thing about that, I think just hearing you talk is, yeah, you probably got better at it, but when you back in the box and that's what comes in front of you, your subconscious is confident about it because you know, you've put your time into it. You're not doubting it. You know what I'm saying? Where, right. you know, you've grinded through it, you've worked on it. Well, now you have confidence in it. So you're not, you're not fearing that situation. And I think that's so big too. Well, I think what happened for me that I separated it. So my horses were there. And then all of a sudden, when that two coil shot that I thought that I was weak at, yep. it was it started to feel natural and easy. Exactly. And it was because I believe I put the work in and then I did put the work in yes. and it didn't feel foreign to me anymore. It felt natural. And I think that's what it is. is it's like, I mean, it's me talking through it to get to this point, mm-hmm. but 
really to I, I think for me to get good at something I have to work at it to the point to where I it just it just feels like it's part of me right like it's it's an easy thing to do you're talking about uh, LeBron James and guys like that I think that's kind of the most I think it's the hardest part and the most draining part of rodeo is we don't have a coach or a trainer right we don't have somebody to get there and be like man you're slacking today you need to you need to bust your ass yep. you need to move like it is self-driven, self-worth, self-confidence. I mean, if you want it, you need to get it yourself. And I, I think that's the hardest part of rodeo, because it don't matter who we are, who they are, who we're talking about. Some days it's hard to be motivated. You know, like that's that's a realistic thing. And to have somebody there to kind of give you that extra boost every day to point out that you're slacking. Man, to not have that is a huge deal. I think that's really, really difficult about rodeo. So I think you have to be really real with yourself. And, I mean, you're kind of your own your own judge, your own coach, your own trainer, your own... I mean, you're everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's. That, I think that's, that's the hardest part of it all. Well, and I think that what, for me, that I try to do, and, uh, and I, some guys do it, but when you do other things, it makes it, and you try to do a really good job at it, I think it kind of makes it easier to apply it to the next thing. Right. Like I, I so this Ben Mastek that writes me up these workouts. Uh, I mean, everything's shut down. I have a squat rack outside. That's it. I have a squat rack, a tire, and I tied some old classic head ropes together and I have <laughs> battle ropes. That's, that's my gym. <laughs> but he just basically wrote me out these strongman workouts. So it's like three moves. Um, you just go bam, but like super set it together and then you break and you do it again. And it's a lot of sets. So I mark my set, my rep in the sand. And what I've realized is no one cares that I'm doing this. No. But it only matters how good I do these reps to me. It No one else cares. It yeah. doesn't matter at all. But if I, I can go make that mark in the sand, you can go do the same thing. The only thing that matters is how good I do that. Mm-hmm. Like, did I give it my full effort? Self-worth, man. That's, I'm, yep. I've become really big on that. That's really stood out to me. You know, having things on your own, doing them on your own, doing a good job on your own. That makes it easy to sleep at night. You know what I mean? I think that that's such a big part of life. Well, man, I, I think it, it makes it easy to sleep at night and it makes you motivated to get up in the morning. You want up. Yeah, you want it. Like, you're like, man, that was that was good. I'm getting, I'm getting these things in it. Man, no, like... I used to like the mornings. I would get up pretty early, but just now it's so nice out and I got these steers and I got these horses I want to rope on and go slow and it's waking up is the easiest part of every day. Like I look forward to it, you know? And I think that's a huge part of it where I found my happiness within the sport and I think that's kind of the biggest part that everybody has to go through and find what part motivates you. And once you find that, man, it's... They, they can't stop you from doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I found out what makes me happy and what I truly enjoy, Part of the part of it that I like. I wake up every morning looking forward to that part. Well, that's that's winning. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is. is the process of it. It's just getting up in the morning, getting to do that. Well, you, you read so many great guys where, you know, winning any championship is the greatest part. But every time after they do a documentary on and they go back, they all say, I wish I would have enjoyed the journey more. Right. And that was a huge part that how I look at it is these horses and my time put into my horses is my journey. So 
obviously the end result is a gold buckle, average win, you know, more NFR qualifications, but I'm in the midst of my journey right now and I'm I'm really enjoying this process of it and I feel like my I feel like it's turning around. The the results are starting to come. You know what I'm saying? But the journey part of it, man, I'm truly enjoying that and like you said, that I feel like that's winning. Like I'm I'm at peace within the sport and I love where I'm at. I love the people around me, the everything that I have going on right now, I just I'm very happy and at peace with it and I think that's that's like you said that's a win amongst itself yeah it's that self-worth it's 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 all internal yeah you're internally happy with what you're doing every day yeah so there's no man before i used to be so worried about what other great headers were riding or what rope they were using or who they're roping with or i was more now that you think about it i was more involved in their stuff than i was kind of even with my own and i told hunter the other day i said man i'm so at peace i don't even know what's going on you know like right. with all the splits and people selling their horses i had no idea i don't even really care like i know the run that hunter and i are going to make when we show up and what we're going to try to do and i know what my what i want my horses to feel like and beyond that it doesn't really affect me you know what i mean and that i'm like i said i'm just so at peace with all that that was that's a really si- big sigh of relief for me personally to kind of overcome all that other nonsense right right well, I think the other thing that's kind of fun is and this has to be really fun for you because, you know, you and Hunter are close, but to have a partner there that you're like, you guys are giving it your all. And I, I mean, when you don't win, you know, you, you, I think it's like you want to see him be successful yep. and, and you, you know, you get to be part of that. Yeah. We actually talked about that the other day where this last month has been rough. We, the jackpots weren't good for us, but we were driving home from Oklahoma and he's like, man, this is. It's frustrating because I want to do so good because I want you, I want you to do good. And it's like, I mean, I think that that's kind of what everybody goes through when you find somebody that you truly want to rope with. You're kind of you're not pressured up, but you're like, man, I really want, I really want Hunter to win, you know. And I really, I got second partners with Patrick, and I really like seeing Patrick do good. So it's like, man, I want, I want to do good for Patrick because I want him to do good. And man, like you said, I think that's just a, it's just a good spot, and I think it's pretty cool. Well, I think that's, you know, that's the reason why we do these podcasts, because we like, man, I, to talk about it, like, hey, this is roping, I think with the media and how it's covered, there's this false, like, what is important yes. and what it takes. And, um, and and to me, it's like, it's such a, it's so much more than uh, wins and losses and things like that. It's like, man, you you've got a partner that you're, you're wanting to see this guy do good and, you know, and you've got these horses and there's all of this that goes into it every day that it makes it where it's so fun to enjoy this process. Right. And I think that, and I think once you get in this state of mind, I think that's when the big wins do start coming. You know, when obviously you're looking for them and you're putting your time into them, but they're not the only thing that matters. I think that's, I think that's when you start truly reaping the benefits of what you're putting into it. When, within yourself and your circle you're so at peace that that thing doesn't really matter but man you're going to be blessed if it does show up you know what i mean like i think that's that's when things truly start coming your way right right because it's um you know the the work ethic and and the enjoyment and the process is all there exactly and that's when it that's when it's all kind of matches up yeah the pressure of the result isn't such a isn't such a big factor you know what i mean where 
the the pressure is more within just doing your job and completing the course that you were set on doing and the rest will just come your way right and and i think it goes back to like even the podcast we did with hunter i i loved it because the one thing that just still stays with me today is he's like when he talked about roping with snow at the at those rodeos he's like man i am going to attack the feet Mm -hmm. because that's who i am and it makes it where you're like he was true to his self and his work ethic he wasn't going to go there and be something he wasn't exactly he was going to fail or win being who he was yeah and that's that's everything you know uh talk about chad you know i was just the nice guy last year we were driving home from pendleton and it was dark it was like 2 30 in the morning we're all coming home and he passed me and just out of nowhere he said man i think i know what's wrong with your heading and i'm like gosh that was <laughs> hey you know like hey how's it going right <laughs> but we talked for hours that trip and he helped me a lot we talked a lot about a lot of stuff but the big thing that stood out to me he said I wish I was better with the, the years, but he said the first year he felt like he tried to head like himself and not like anybody else. Just do what Chad Masters does, like head like Chad wants to head. He missed seven years that whole, seven steers that whole year and he won the world title. Right. And I think that just goes back to what you're talking about, Hunter, and kind of what we were talking about as all, but do what you do, you know, like trust your process and don't try to head like so-and-so or another guy. Do what you do. Put your time in for what, how you do it and how it works. And I think you truly reap the benefits from it that way. Oh, I agree. I don't know how many times I've watched Jigger's head and then it's ruined my heading for a few months. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, yeah, I know. I, I promise. I can't catch this. I don't think you or I are the only ones that have been through that. Dude, he's wrecked. He's wrecked my game a few yeah, times. Yeah, you should go watch Dustin the Squeeze at the slides. Um, I, I just, <laughs> dude, I healed for him one time at, at a slide, and I was like, I was. It was silly, man. I, we went there last. Went to one last night, and it. Paul, Paul, and I made some decent runs. We were two fives and a four, and we didn't get a rope in the short round. Uh, <laughs> Hunter, Hunter, and Dustin, one third. I think Hunter and Doug won the rope but Hunter and Doug won third there are two fours and two threes and one third that's nice I'm telling you this Dustin and Squeeze is insane yep so going back to what we're talking about I leave that rope and the first thing I think of is man I suck like yeah that Dustin and Squeeze is amazing like I can't do that right so then I need to sit back reevaluate where I'm at know my strengths rather than just completely try to bury myself and my career in, in the ground where just try to grow off of what I'm good at and trust my process. Like, obviously, I'm going to work on some stuff and test my limits in the practice pen, but the biggest thing, I think, is not getting away from what you are truly good at already. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's that's so important. Is I mean, obviously, if the ropens were set up like the slides and it was like that in every situation... Yeah, it'd be something you have to learn to do. You would have to fix it. Yes. But we understanding like, hey, the the setups are going to be different, and you're not, you know, you're going to need more horses, and the runs are not. Yeah, you can't be just be fast. a one track header. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think that that's that's what kind of goes into this whole process of like, hey, I I you're trying to figure out how to win and like what it takes in this self evaluation period. And I man, I I think it's cool, but it is tough because Dustin is he man, he's going to ruin some guys. Oh. He's gonna just, he's gonna have a lot of guys ruining head horses and their their roping career. Yeah, yeah. He's he's unbelievable. That last night was just insane. Yeah, 
Yeah, and as he figures out jackpotting, like, well, this last year he's gotten where he's he can, gotten good at it. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun watching though, because yeah. I, I, you know, just when you're thinking like, man, they rope good, and then you start watching him, and you're like, man, he's throwing, he's turning a lot of steers pretty fast, and yeah. then now you're like, man, he's turning a lot of steers. Yeah, and, I think the biggest thing though that on the outside looking in, or for people watching him is, he goes through the same stuff you and I everybody in the world goes through you know what i mean like just because he can pull those amazing shots off doesn't mean he doesn't have self-doubt or he doesn't or hasn't overcame hardships too you know what i mean so like just because he's overly talented doesn't mean we need to be jealous of him like right he's grinded through it too he's put his time in he's found the hard ways he's done it the same way as everybody else so don't be so hard on ourselves like man i can't do that well he can't do some of the stuff that we can do either. So trust our processes, respect what he's been through, and I know he's going to respect what we've been through. And, I mean, we're all looking for the same results. So I don't, I don't think it's – we're in no place to put our, our careers down because of what some guys can do with their ropes. You know, like everybody goes through their hardships and everybody has their stuff that they're weak at. Well, I think that's what makes sports so fun. Exactly. Is everyone's talent level is going to be different. Everyone's going to be different. But what makes – or breaks you is how if how you figure out how to win. Yeah, look at Trevor Brazil. He says he's not the greatest roper. Right. I mean, is it twenty four or twenty five? It's it's enough that it's more he, than I can know of. So it's a lot. Yeah, most people lose count. And he says he's not the most talented roper. And I mean, he can't do things that Dustin Esquiza does. You know, like he can't head the cow like that. But look at the career that Trevor Brazil had because of what he put into his horses. Right. And obviously himself and his body, like, I mean, he was a monster when he was going, but that's just a big eye-opener to me. There, it's Heading's just not a one-track deal, you know what I mean? Like, there's different ways to get to the end result. Well, and and what I think is important is he learned how to win. Like, he, he not only dominated at the NFR, but uh, we videoed with Patrick the other day, and I was looking up on the wall, and they're like... Oh, they won everywhere. They won Cheyenne, they won yep. Salinas, they won... I mean, all of these rodeos that are like, oh, they say it's a Cowboys deal and it's hard to win... Well, then why is Trevor winning all, you know, yep. I mean, because he is the best cowboy. He's the best horseman. He had the best head horses. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is great head horses win. Yep. That's why I look up to Clay Smith so much. I, Unbelievable. Yep. When he gets at the Thomas and Mac, I mean, he not only heads fast, but he has great control of where his horse is at in the arena and how the steer's handled. And you're just like, you're it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, there's... The horses, I think, unless you have the Driggers, Esquiza game, which some guys still do ride great horses, which make them great, but they could make the finals on a let a lot less horse than I ever could. So that's why I try to put so much into my horses because I feel like I need that extra step to compete against those guys. And since I've been blessed enough to have them extra steps along my career, I have been able to have a career you know what i'm saying and yep. that and that's what i am so focused on and where i get my confidence is what my horses give back to me well and i think that's what makes her open so like a, a beautiful sport where any like literally anyone can do it you just gotta want to do it yeah just find a way to do it because if you have a slow head horse that's not very good you can probably learn how to reach and yep. he will get you to a spot where you can get more horses and improve exactly and if you're vice versa if you end up with horses that are run and really like really talented you can use your horse to win yep and and then there's just going to be this 
a couple of freaks of nature that yeah. get away with anything because they're so good. Yeah, and and you got to realize, Dustin, man, he's. I mean, he wasn't like that when he like his jackpot game. No, he's I, just coming on. Like and, I just like I tried saying, he grinded through it. I mean, yep. he's been through the hardships just like all of us, and I think that's a, something that we all have to be real about with ourselves, like. Everybody goes through it. We're not the only ones that are having hard times or have had hard times or whoever's listening. You're not the only one that had hard times. Like every single person has gone through that and will go through it again. Like it's how we overcome it and how we get through it that matters. Right. Anytime you're adding competition in, it means there's going to be a struggle. It's coming. And yes. that and that's what makes competition Beautiful. Yep. And that's what makes sports good is you have to be good at something the, the best guys and, you know, win the most. And there's all of this and there's a lot of variables in roping, but that's where like the guys that have a job that work and, and things they they might not go up and down. And that might be what what people want out of life because yep. it's pretty easy to tear yourself apart it is. when when, you know, your financial well-being like is on the line with with your tied to your competition right exactly so well man i appreciate you being on the podcast we uh, uh you know like i said the, the big thing is I, I love to have a conversation about roping and what it takes to be competitive and just just to i wanted to hear your mindset on the on the on the finals and and because you know you got a lot of success young you've had some great horses that badger man he's one of my favorite all-time horses and now your outlook because you know, you could see it after the finals. You know, you could see it, it lingered, and then you can see it now. Like it's it's just a whole different it's just a whole different header than it was three or four years ago. Right. And and a and a better person too. You know, and yeah. I, I think that's what's that's what's fun about this. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks.